Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. To effect at a meeting of the Merlin Magician Society. Magicians? The thing would have been funny if it hadn't been so serious. Gentlemen, I can explain everything. I'm a private detective. The voice behind me said, There he is. Here's his badge and his license. In his wallet. I ignored that. Never mind about me. The fact still remains that there's a thief in the room. Somebody who has Mr. Warner's packet of gems. If you'll permit me, I'll try to recover them. Very well, Mr. Uh, Browning. We will be grateful for your aid. I let my gaze wander from face to face. No two ways about it, I was in command of the situation. But what was I going to do about it? Is there uh, any other stranger in this room? The old man shook his head. Only you, Mr. Browning? I nodded. Fine. And Mr. Warner's jewels are still in the room, because the thief wouldn't risk calling attention to himself by leaving, not if he's a society member. Nobody has left the room, Mr. Browning. I did some of the fastest thinking of my life. The thief, whoever he was, would be prepared for a general search and was not worried about it. These men were all magicians. They knew tricks. They had devices. Devices? Of course, it had to be that. I suddenly turned and grabbed the bearded man. You offered to sell me a disappearing gimmick. You called attention to it because everybody here must know you've been working on it. Would think it funny if you didn't demonstrate it. I say Mr. Warner's missing jewels are hidden in this whatever it is. Trot it out and show it to us. There was a long pause. Then the bearded man slowly unbuttoned his jacket, folded back the lining to reveal a leather-lined pocket and an arrangement of wires and a small packet. I, uh, I only took them for a dramatic opportunity to demonstrate my wonderful illusion. Mr. Warner, your jewels! Well, that was his story, and he stuck to it. Maybe it was the truth. Maybe not. I've got my own opinion on the subject. Anyway, they let him go rather than expose the Merlin Society to scandal. As for me, I got $50 as a reward from Arthur Warner, plus a life membership in the Merlin Magician Society. Brony is my society name, in case you're interested. Like I said, it's important for a detective to be in control of the situation. But when he's working with magicians... He's got to be careful he doesn't wind up losing everything else. Listen next time to Calling All Detectives, Mystery Drama, Mystery Quiz, and a chance for you to match wits with yours truly, Jerry Browning, Private Detective. Calling All Detectives. When crooked gamblers invade a carnival, when mob violence is ready to break out, could you halt it? That is the problem on this page from my casebook, the casebook of Jerry Browning, Private Detective. I, Jerry Browning, Private Detective, can recognize a hundred con game tricks, but new ones are invented every day. As I followed Al Robertson, owner of the Robertson Carnival, through the grounds, I noticed that the rides weren't getting much of a play. 
But the little crowds were clustered around most of the take-a-chance booths. In the truck that served as his executive office, Robertson said, Blimey, I'm worried. In fact, I'm scared stiff. My, my nose tells me that crowd out there is loaded for bear. If it is, it's your fault, Mr. Robertson. Why did you let those con men and grifters move in on you? Robertson mopped at his brow. I had no choice. I had to get money or close down, so when Cowell made me an advance payment offer for the game's concession, I grabbed it. Now I'm stuck. You've been here six days without any serious trouble. Maybe concessionaire isn't operating as crooked as you think. Robertson shook his head. This is our last night, Browning. That's when trouble always comes. When the people have been fleeced, realize you're moving on, and there's no more chance to get even. Robertson shivered. Hear that? It's a mob in the making. Browning, I don't know how you can do it, but if you don't head it off, there's going to be killing. A carnival owner who had permitted crooked gamblers to move in on him pleaded with me to head off mob revenge. The roller coaster that thundered past had only three or four riders. But at one of the take-a-chance booths... Come on, folks, it's your last chance. We're folding in a couple of hours. Come on, double up and beat the house. The gambler working the Wheel of Fortune held a sheaf of five and ten dollar bills between his fingers. If the sullen crowd murmur bothered him, he certainly wasn't showing it. I walked down through the grounds to the trailer where Jim Cowell, the game concession boss, had his headquarters. I had to identify myself to a pair of tough mugs before I could get to see Cowell, a pudgy, bland-faced, fighter of a man. Nothing to worry about browning that a thing. If Robertson has milk in his veins, I'll take full responsibility for getting the wagons out of here. That's fine. Will you also take full responsibility for the people who get killed if a riot starts? Cowell's face darkened. There'd be no killing. A couple of heads cracked, maybe. Nothing I can't square with a few bunks. Now get out of here. Hurrying back through the grounds, it suddenly struck me that I wasn't hearing the crowd anymore. If there's anything worse than a sullen, muttering crowd, it's that same crowd when it isn't making a sound. Then it's about ready to act. Come on, folks, only one hour to go. The last chance to get your money back. You, Grandpa, you're hooked for plenty. I'll give you a last chance. A thousand dollars a spin. Where's your nerve, Grandpa? The old man the gambler was picking on moved in, and as he did, the crowd moved with him. A moment later, as though the shot were a signal, the crowd suddenly dissolved and fled. I caught one glimpse of the old man disappearing among some wagons. In his booth, the Wheel of Fortune man was slumped over his counter, slowly slid to the ground out of sight. From all over the grounds, carnival workers screamed to the booth. Cowell, the concession boss, and his bodyguards picked up the shot gambler who hung limp and dead in their arms. I shouted, where are you taking that man? Don't run him, Browning. I'll take care of my own people. Two hours later, at local police headquarters, Cowell was bland and smiling again. Chief, we're not pressing charges against anybody. 
My man isn't badly hurt, and, well, he had it coming to him. The police chief looked puzzled. Plainly, nothing like this had ever happened in his town before. I said, Chief, I think the man is dead. They've concealed his body. It's your duty to investigate. Nonsense. Do you think the rest of my men would permit anything like that? Chief, we don't want any trouble. We'll get out of town. Never come back. how it was. The police chief was so anxious to be rid of the carnival that he let them pack up and leave. And in Robertson's truck, a few hours later, burning maybe the man isn't dead. I shook my head. It was point-blank range. The killer couldn't have missed. If somehow he had missed, that mob would have torn the gambler to bits. Robertson's head sagged. Well, close down the carnival. If I don't, it'll be the same thing all over again at our next stand. Yeah? I guess you're right. Thought struck me. The same thing all over again. I turned to Robertson. I've got an idea. Pull the truck out of line over to the side. Hey, what's the matter, Brownie? I think I've discovered Mr. Cowell's reason for being so sure of himself. The rest of the line of trucks rolled past us until Cowell's truck bringing up the rear came into sight. Now, Robertson, I'll in on Cowell's truck. Do as I tell you. I jumped out of our truck, dashed to Cowell's almost before it had stopped. I flung open the trailer door. And there was Cowell, his two mugs, an old man, and a dead wheel of fortune man. Alive and without a scratch on him. Don't make sudden moves, boys. This gun is loaded with whale bullets. Okay, Browning. So you got hit to it. Now let's talk business. It will catch you in. I grinned at him. Oh, Mr. Cowell. You're going back to Cedarville. You'll stand trial for running crooked gambling games. And they'll find some law on the books to take care of people who stage fake murders so that they can get away with all the booty. That is, if the folks ever let it come to trial. Cowell shivered. Okay, you win. What's the price? I made the price steep. Forced him to surrender his concession with the carnival and to give up the amount he'd gouged at the last stand from the citizenry. There was no way of returning that money to the individual losers, so it was paid to the local community chest. Like I said, you'll never learn con games as fast as people will think them up. It's a lot easier and smarter to keep away from them in the first place. Listen next time to Calling All Detectives. Mystery drama, mystery quiz, and a chance for you to match wits with yours truly, Jerry Browning, Private Detective.